listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. You know, if you're a guest with us today, we're so glad you're here. And I hope I can meet you uh, before you leave today because you're in for Something exciting today because we are in a very impactful place in our walk through Ephesians because Paul is dealing with some of the most important and challenging relationships that we have. And last week, we looked at the husband and wife. We looked at marriage. And I gave you a challenge to go and spend some time together talking about your marriage. I saw some great pictures uh, this week through our hashtag it matters BBCW, but it's not too late. Uh, maybe this week you could go and spend some time. I saw some lunch dates. I saw some people just sitting out on the patio, uh, someone out to eat. Just any time we can find together to take a moment and talk about our hope for our marriage. But today is a subject all of you are experts in. It's something that you have mastered. We're going to talk about parenting. So if you will, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. And I want you to know this has been so convicting uh, this week. It always is, but this week in particular. And I want you to know, I in no way feel like I should be the one standing up here. I'm not ever probably going to write a book on parenting. I feel absolutely in, inadequate to stand up and talk to you about this. And I've got three at home that would probably amen that. But here, it is so hard on so many levels. I mean, we live in a broken world. We have a vicious enemy. And we all have very, very sinful hearts. And we see that in parenting. And then parents, we have these weights we carry around. I know you do it too. We compare ourselves to other people and our kids. We also have this embarrassment, not sometimes because of our kids, but... Sometimes it's, you know, what are kids and, and being parents, what's that saying to other people about us? And, and we get embarrassed. And then there's the failures. But listen, if you have not failed as a parent, you're not a parent. Because everyone fails at this. In fact, I would think probably all of us in this room that are parents probably feel that. We do not feel adequate for what we have been called to. So today, Paul is going to speak to our kids. So kids, you're going to have a part in this that Paul is going to speak directly to you. And then he will also talk about to us as parents. But before we read, I want you to think about how you would define what parenting actually is. Because here's the most basic definition I could find. It's the activity of bringing up a child... As a parent. And so that is the most basic elemental definition of parenting. But as believers, it is so much more than this because this is what I hope we see today that we would see God's hope for the home. So if you will, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Today we have only four verses. And we will read those, and then we're going to pray and walk through them. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, 
For this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you. That you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let his saints hear. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning and for a day of sunshine and uh, time to be together as your church. Thank you for our time of worship and being able the privilege of praying for Vincent and Samantha in the work that you are doing uh, there in Zambia. I pray for that virtual mission trip, Lord, that uh, we would have many come to experience that together. And Lord, as we come to your word this morning, we believe you have inspired it, you have preserved it, and your word is eternal. Uh, Lord, you have truth that you want us and need us to see and to hear this morning, but left to our own, we could not do that. So Lord, would your spirit teach and guide us this morning? Give us ears to hear it and eyes to see it, minds to understand it, and hearts to believe these truths. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So your outline this morning, it is very simple. Call this God's hope for the home. And there's going to be two sections. Kids, yours is first, and you get the bulk of it. You get three verses where you're going to see God's hope, God's design for you as children. And then we will see God's hope for parents in verse 4. But remember our context today. We've been walking through this book, and Paul is going to instruct children. He is going to instruct parents, but he is also painting a picture. He has told us that we are to live lives worthy of our calling. We're to be imitators of God, and that we are to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. And he said, when we are doing those things, this is what will happen. This is what it will look like. And our first example was marriage. But today, we're going to see the idea of parenting in the home. And he is telling us again, this is something that we cannot effectively do if we do not have the help of the Holy Spirit. So God's hope for children. Kids, this one is for you. Look at verse 1. Children, and I have to stop there because that is just a radical thing Paul has just done. Because what we have to understand is what Paul is writing and where he is, that Paul is writing to these believers in Ephesus and they are controlled by Rome. And a child's value was based really on one thing. How valuable you were was based on what you could contribute to your father. Usually based on your strength or maybe you were intelligent, your value was based only on how much you could contribute and help him as the leader of the family. In fact, a child's worth is how useful they were. In fact, a Roman father had absolute power over his family. In fact, a father could sell his child as a slave and no one could question him. He had absolute authority and discipline, even the death penalty. And no one would question it. In fact, if you remember back in our intro, I talked about the Angora. 
It was this long road that led from the city down to the sea. And when a child was born, the father would come in. The child would be presented to him. He would either hold the child, meaning I accept him, after he examined them. Or he would turn his back and then the child would be left in the, in the angora or in the woods left to die. And no one questioned it. So that Paul would even mention children is absolutely counterculture. And look at what he says. Children, obey your parents. Now this word, it means two things. It means under and to listen to. So you put those together and it means to listen under. It means to know, to hear, and then to simply follow their commands. And so kids, I know it is hard. But your parents set up boundaries and they set up rules for a reason. One reason is for your own protection. One is they want you to feel secure. And they also want to teach you something. By teaching you, they know God has placed them where they are to be your leader, to be your guide, to nurture you and he, they, we want you to learn in that structure of what God has called them as parents to do. But parents, in order for this to happen, we know our kids need our help. In fact, before we think about obedience, we need to back up just a moment. You know, there are two basic needs that every child needs, no matter who they are. They need to be loved. We do that with our words, with our time. Meeting their needs, they need to be loved. And children also need boundaries. They need to know where the line is. They need to know what is expected of them. In fact, you see these two basic needs from the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1. You see God's love in creating man, setting him up as his crown of all creation, and creating man in his image. You see God's love. And then he puts them in a garden. And what's the one thing he does? He gives them boundaries for their protection. And he wants them to feel secure. So every child needs this. They need to be loved. And they need boundaries. So the command for children to obey. We have to help them in this. So think of it this way. It's like a playground. And kids need an appropriate playground with high fences. You put a fence around a playground and kids are going to use that entire place to go and explore and to learn. But when you begin to think about it, if there is not room for them to fail while they are under our guidance and protection in that playground, the playground's too small. But also... If they have no, do not feel secure of our authority, then the fence is too low. And as they get older, man, the fences get moved back and the playground gets bigger and bigger. Because this idea of obedience, we have to remember, it is this developmental process. It isn't learned overnight. So what do we have to do? We need to know our children. We have to study them. We have to know how they work and how God created them and know they develop in different ways. That some are going to try to climb the fence and others are going to stay away from it. But it takes perseverance 
in time. And we have to hang with it because obedience is a learned behavior. But kids, did you know this about Jesus? Even Jesus being perfect and the Son of God, that he even, just like you, had to learn. In fact, listen to Hebrews 5.8. Although he was a son, it says he learned obedience through what he suffered. That Jesus, even the Son of God, perfect, he had to learn, he learned obedience. Luke 2.52, it tells us that Jesus increased in wisdom. There was this intellectual growth in him. He grew in stature, that he grew from a baby to a man. It says that he grew in favor with God, that we even see spiritual growth in him. And in favor with men, he had social growth. That even Jesus learned. But parents, we also have to keep in this in mind. That leading our children to obey. And I chose that word carefully. Leading them. Leading our children to obey. Is training them. To one day obey God. For the rest of their lives. That's our calling. Meaning this. That a child's first image of God is seen through their parents. And that's a little sobering to think about what is the image I have been giving my children of who God is. Is God always angry and loud? Is he mostly disappointed? Is he constantly frustrated? Is he one that just lets them get away with whatever they want without any discipline because it's just easier that way? So what picture are we painting to our children of who God is? Well, kids, notice the one more thing about your verse. In verse 1, you obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. You're to obey your parents because this is God's design. This is God's hope for you. That you, by learning to obey your parents, that you are learning to obey him. Because you know what? I know you're not always going to agree with your parents. <laughs> you're not always going to like the rules or the boundaries or the fence. But you can trust that they are trying to do what is best for you. And one day, it's even better. That you're not always going to agree and you're not always going to like what God is going to ask you to do. But you can always trust that it is what is best for you. Always. Without question. But kids, notice your second command. Honor your father and mother. For this is the first commandment with a promise. And you know this word. It means to regard highly or it means to respect. So kids, your, your job in this, your design, is your parents are leading you in this. You know what? They have a hard job. It is difficult at times of loving, protecting, providing for you and raising you. It can be a very difficult job. It can be a stressful job. Because believe it or not, there's a lot of pressure as a parent. And then, on top of all that, your parents, they always feel inadequate. Sometimes they're not for sure what to do. And believe it or not, your parents... If they haven't already, they're going to make some mistakes. 
It's just going to happen. They're going to fail at this in times. Because you know what's happening, kids? You're in a home, and you are getting a front row seat to your parents' sin and their depravity. You are seeing it like no one else probably is. But God's hope, God's design is that you will always respect your parents. Because one day that playground, those fences are going to come down. You're going to grow up and you're going to be your own adult. And the command to obey is no longer on you. But you know what? You never outgrow. You never outgrow the command to honor and respect your parents. No matter how old you are. You will never outgrow that. So the call for all of us, young and old, is always to find ways, even when it is difficult, to honor our parents. But then Paul does something interesting. He gives a promise. So if you obey your parents and you honor them, notice what it says. That it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. I heard last night from Stephen Chavez that the oldest woman in the United States, is that right, died at 116. She had 12 children, uh, 48 grandchildren, 130-something great-grandchildren, 180-something great-great-grandchildren. So she must have really obeyed her parents and honored them well. But we know Paul is not saying that if you obey perfectly... Everything is going to go just like you want. Paul is not saying that if a child dies young, it's because they disobeyed somewhere. So what does Paul mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'll give you my opinion on this. I think this is a principle that Paul has in mind. That obedience, following a parent's guidance, you know what it's going to do? It's going to build self-discipline. It is going to build self-control that will save us from a lot of trouble. In fact, almost every hardship you've probably gone through, your parents probably warned you about. At least how it's been with me. But I think Warren Rearsby sums up this thought perfectly. He says, when children obey their parents in the Lord, they will escape a great deal of sin and danger that could threaten and even shorten their lives. But life is not measured only by the quantity of life or quantity of time. It's also measured by the quality of experience. That God enriches and he blesses the lives of obedient children no matter how long they may live on the earth. But sin, sin always robs us. But obedience, it always enriches so God's hope for children is that they would obey and honor their parents. Because this relationship, children are learning to honor and obey the Lord. And so now parents, the last verse for us, God's hope for us as parents. In verse 4, he says fathers. Now Paul's not speaking just to fathers because in the first three verses he's talking about the the family unit of parents but he is setting the father up as the leader of the home he is the one that is to set the tone he is the one is to lead out in this but he has in mind mothers also in view but we're going to have two commands one is going to be negative and one is going to be in the positive so here's the negative 
Do not provoke your children to anger. So this word, it means to stir up. It, this word means to kind of agitate. Or in your uh, versions, it may say aspirate. And that word brings in this idea of, of harshness and, and roughness. But the best way to describe this word is doing something that is crushing the spirit of your child. And you've probably seen that. Or you've done something in Mealy where you just know I have crushed their spirit. Now we're not short of ways we can accomplish this. One way is that we provoke them to this, we stir up, we agitate, even in harshness, and, and we can uh, uh, crush their spirit. One is by unreasonable demands or expectations, and we've probably all done it. Something that is really beyond their capability. I mean, Marla would have to remind me, Mark, they're only six. Unreasonable expectations and demands. We can crush their spirit with just petty rules by putting so much on them that it's like they can't keep track. Favoritism. Now, I know every child feels like the others are favored. That can crush a kid's spirit. Discouragement. Our sighs, our verbal and physical frustrations that they hear. What am I going to do with you? Discouragement can crush their spirit. Or fault finding. And are we taking time to find the positive and the good? Neglect. In fact, you see that with King David in 2 Samuel where he neglected his sons and we know what happened with them. I think inconsistency where they don't know which parent is going to show up today. That can crush their spirit. But then he gives us a positive. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This word means to, to nourish or to feed. It means to guide the way. To bring them up. Guide them along. And notice two things. We are to bring them up. Guide them in discipline and instruction. So discipline is the word that means training. I think discipline often has this negative feel to us, but it means training even through punishment or consequences. Because listen to Hebrews 12, 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but rather it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who are being trained by it. Now, punishment is not always physical discomfort. I think that's politically correct. Physical discomfort. It can be loss of privileges, missing out on something, but we have to remember that discipline is training. But I think sadly, at least for me, early on discipline was simply this emotional release for me. That I would get so frustrated, so mad, I needed a wail on somebody or whatever it was with my words, whatever, that it just became this emotional release. And that is not biblical dis discipline or training. But notice, discipline in the correct way is providing training even through consequences. And notice the end result of what the discipline, the training should be, even when there's consequences. It produces the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Righteousness. 
That that should be the goal. Then he says instruction. And this means to, to place before the mind. To help them understand. That's the verbal instruction and the warnings. It can even mean to confront or bring attention to. In fact, we saw David's failure earlier of neglect. In 1 Samuel 3, remember Eli and his sons? Eli's the priest. And in verse 13, it tells us where Samuel is coming. And he says, I declare to him that I'm about to punish this house forever. For the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God. And notice the reason. And he, speaking of Eli, did not restrain them. And guess what the root word of restrain means? It means to instruct. But notice the end goal. Notice what it should also be. It's so similar to the children of the Lord. That our discipline and our instruction should ultimately lead them to the Lord. In fact, the truth is this. We are leading and discipling and instructing our kids towards all kinds of things. There's all kinds of things we are leading and instructing and guiding our children in. The list is not short. Some are good and some are bad. And we are the first picture they have of who God is. So this morning, we'll had four verses, but how powerful they are that God's hope for children is that you would obey. You would always honor. And in the Lord, this is what he's designed you to be, that within that family structure, there is so much for you. And God's hope for parents, that we would not crush our children's spirit, but train and instruct them in the Lord. In fact, this is the greatest calling we have as children and parents. That when we do this right, and we cannot do without being led and under the control of the Spirit, but when we do, we honor God through this. But I want to take a moment, because I can't explain... <laughs> How powerful this passage was this week. And it was in the strangest, strangest ways. So let me tell you what's happened. I have blown it so many times over the years with my children. That's why I'm not using them as examples today. I have. I have blown it in so many ways. I have not always painted an accurate picture. My children have had a front row seat to my sin and my depravity. I'm worried sometimes of the picture that I'm painting for them, of who God is. In fact, I've already started their counseling fund because one day they're going to need it. But then something happened this week that stopped me in my tracks. Um, it caused me to stop and remember and when I tell you, that's why I'm laughing. But it caused me to stop and just to think about my goal and my calling as a parent. And it had nothing to do with them. Because I'm actually training my very first dog. Now, we've had lots of dogs. But this is the first one that I'm truly training for an actual purpose. 
So this is Blaze. Blaze is a six-month-old black lab. And isn't he precious? Just wait. And, but I know this is a retriever, and this is what he is created to do. He is created to retrieve. That that is what he is designed and built by God to do. But through this process, it has shown me some things about myself and caused me to really think about my calling as a parent. Because this dog was created to swim and it was created to retrieve. My job as his steward, as his trainer, is to help him become that. So where do you start? You start with obedience. You start with learning basic things. And my job is to help him succeed in that. So we started with simple commands like place, where I wanted him to go, and sit. We started with those. But I had to be careful. Can't tell you how many times I had to call my friend Drew and he'd say, Mark, your expectations are way too high. But you had to set appropriate expectations. I had to remember he's going to have some great days and some not so great days. That I could teach him. In fact, I had the choice I could teach him to obey out of fear. I could just beat it into him. But that is no kind of relationship. So I had to show him that I care. And so for the first three or four weeks, I was the only one that fed him. To look to me for what he needs. And we started off small. Set appropriate demands and expectations. Used a lot of praise. And we would do it over and over and over and over again. Right, Blaze? Place. Place. And it took time and patience. And when he learned those, we would move on to others. But it took those two things. It took, time, it took patience and time. It's a learned behavior obedience. And then you know what comes? Discipline and instruction. There's this constant training that has to go on. There's constant instruction. And then the commands went from place and sitting to healing to fetch. You know what? We still have good days and we have bad days. In fact, there are days I think he's forgotten everything that we have learned. Some days he nails it, and I've allowed my temper and my impatience to get the best of me. And the worst thing for him is to have a shock collar on when I'm mad. But you know what? I have to remember one thing. My job is to help him become who he was created to be. That's my job. So Friday night, it's date night. We were going to stay at home, and um, I, I did not have any night. I was out of the home uh, every night this week. I, I know elders. It can't go on like that every week. It was a busy week. This week's much better, but it was the only night we had. So we didn't want to leave the kids, so we were going to stay home. And, uh, of course, it was raining, and it felt 40 degrees. We were going to sit on the patio. Um, so Marla was working that day, so I went to the store, and... Uh, I'm going to feed everybody, and then we were going to have our time together. And I went, and I spent more than I should, and I bought two really nice ribeyes and some fillets. 
And uh, so it's that afternoon, and Marla gets home, and I'm uh, getting the uh, the egg ready and getting the fire all set. And I know, I know what to do. I put them in a roasting pan, high sides on the side, slid it back from the side, went out and checked the egg. Fire's about right to come back in, and I see a head down on the floor. And I thought, oh, no. Well, I walk over, and there's nothing there. So, I, okay, good. And then I looked in the pan. There was no ribeyes in the pan. And I'm telling you, it's a wonder that dog is still even here. So I got in my truck. And Marla can tell you I am. I had to leave so the kids didn't hear the things coming out of my mouth. So I'm headed to Brookshire's knowing these steaks aren't going to be as good. And you know the thought that came into my mind. I'm, I'm right about Sonic. My thought is I'm about to dig a hole out here. Hope no one notices. But here's the thought. Mark, your job is to train him to become who he is created to be. And you know what? The fence was too low. What else am I going to expect a dog to do? That's all he knows. He's hungry. And he's hungry all the time he'd eat concrete. He smells food. And he's going to try to eat because I've never set that expectation. I never guided. I never trained him in that. But then I instantly thought about this sermon. That ultimately our goal as parents is to help our children become who God created them to be. And this includes so many things. So I want to remind us of a few. You know, the goal in parenting is not just to prepare our children for independence. That is part of it. But our goal is also to lead them and guide them into a greater dependence on God. That it transfers from us to Him. Because obedience is not achieved just when a child does everything you tell them to do. It's achieved when they have transferred their primary love and submission and dependence from us to Christ. And we can so easily get overwhelmed. We can so easily feel like failures. Because you know what I think about failures? They're easy to see. And they're almost instant. But our successes, they're so much harder to see because it takes longer and longer sometimes to see them. But here's some notes I wrote for us. Yes, we are going to fail. But these can still be opportunities to point our children to Christ who will never fail them. That we as parents, you as parents, thinking of your child right now, you are the ones that God has chosen before the foundation of the world to be the parent of your child. Whether naturally or through adoption or foster care, that God hand-picked you. If there could be a better parent, he'd have given them to them. But last, we need to feel the urgency that our time with our children is short. And parents, I know raising children, when you're in the midst of it, it can feel like an eternity. But when it is over, it'll feel just like a season. And kids, growing up, when you're 10 or 12, I know it can feel like an eternity. But one day you'll be 47 and it feels like a season. So the truth, our children, they're not going to remember everything. We try to teach them, 
They're not going to remember everything that we tell them. But there is one thing that your children will always know about you. They will know what is most important to you. They're going to get that. And I pray that all of our children see in us that the most important thing in my mom and my dad's life is Christ. If they can just get that. So after being reminded this week and convicted of parenting, this is how I would now define it. That parenting is the activity under the control of the Holy Spirit that leads children in the direction of trusting and following Christ. And it's not an easy task. But you know what? God has promised that he would give us everything that we need for it. So here's your challenge this week. Found some time this week. Hey, it's actually going to be a pretty week. Sun's going to be shining. Spend some time as a family. Have dinner together. Play a game. Go on a walk. Ride a bike. Go to the park. Bedtime prayers. Breakfast devotionals. Whatever you can do as a family. And then take a picture. And then use that as a testimony. You know what? Family matters. I'm not always going to get it right. But family matters. And then to encourage other people. Use that hashtag. It matters. BBCW. Take a picture of your family doing something together to be reminded of the calling that God has placed on the home. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.